kind of in a hurry, man. I don't know if I, we should start uh, going down that road. It's yeah. Just, I could talk all day about euthanasia. Okay. You know, don't get me started. Maybe we should just... We'll save it. We'll save it for next time. Take yeah, that rain check, buddy. We'll keep it going. Okay. Business for the businessman. Yeah, you got my number. <laughs> okay. Cool. Brass tax. Yes. Yes. Just got a shipment of the dopest dope I've ever smoked. Hands down, dopest dope I've ever smoked. It's right not here. better than the blue oyster weed. It can't be. I, don't, my friend, I can't handle better than this that. This is like... If that blue oyster shit met that Afghan Kush I had, yeah. and they had a baby, and then meanwhile, that crazy Northern Light stuff I had, and the super red espresso snowflake met and bomb. had a baby, and by some miracle those two babies met and fucked, this would be the shit that they burnt. Wow. Yes. This is the product of baby Kids are different today. I hear every mother say, mother needs something today to So hi and welcome to the Unnamed Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. This is Damian. This is Douglas. We did it. I mean, you know, like, I don't know what time this is. Third, fourth time is a charm? <laughs> I guess. However so. many times it takes. Um, but here, the Unnamed Movie Podcast, as it's, it's, we we trademarked that name at some point, And now Damon is showing me throughout yep. the weeks that people are infringing upon our trademark. Yep. Have Andrew, we sent out the legal notice statement? Andrew, if you don't defend your trademark, people can take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we need to get cracking. We need to become like the next Nintendo of the internet. Yep. Just like crack down on every and any and everything. Every infringement. Um, <laughs> you cannot be unnamed, you cannot be a movie, and you cannot be a podcast. <laughs> Actually, weirdly enough, mentioning Nintendo, I saw a story. So, like, Nintendo announced their 35th anniversary Mario stuff, which yeah. I'm kind of excited for. I'm looking forward to playing Mario 64 again. Um, I understand kind why. of stuff. That um, Blitz Mario they... looks fun. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't need a real race car going around my house. Yep. Um, no, 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 no. The Mario 25 or 35, mm-hmm. that it's called, where you can have yeah. that many players that play against you. And every oh, time the... you kill an enemy, it goes to somebody else's screen instead yeah. of just dying. Mm-hmm. That looks interesting. That's what I was going to talk about, because um, apparently that was a fan-made game someone made like two, three years ago. Oh, and, like, really? just did up a thing. Nintendo cracked down on them. And yep. got them to take it down off the internet. And now today he sees this come up and he like what? has a good laugh. Yep. <laughs> he shouldn't just have a good laugh. He should fucking sue the pants oh, off. For this to- he was using their intellectual property to do this. Yes, but also <laughs> they're now using his. It's oh. it, it goes both ways. No, because stole his No, 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 no. First. So, no. So, so sure, <laughs> Mario is theirs. But the idea for using the game that way is his, so I definitely need to get that check. Oh. <laughs> I'd love to see you try and... <laughs> Listen, this money I stole from you, I invested. So all of this money is my money. <laughs> I would... I, I, think with, I think with, like, probably half of the companies that do this, 
I would there would be like an interesting business story of someone attempting mm-hmm. to do what Douglas is talking about. Mm. Anybody fucking with Nintendo is dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, obviously Nintendo can throw large amounts of money at him, but I think you would have some sort of a case. Hmm. I think you're high as shit, Douglas Robbins. <laughs> the idea itself, not obviously not Mario, yes. but the uh, idea of the game. Also, he would have fun. to he would have to have copyrighted that idea, which he can't because it's stolen. No <laughs> the assets and the video game property is stolen. You can prove use, and again, it's not the game itself, it's a, the idea for using the game in that way. So, yeah, if you can prove no, use, which you can because it's on the internet. Here's the thing. The idea that he has, he's not the first. That type of video game exists. He just used Mario properties to build the game. All right. Fair enough. So, moving along. Anyway. Um, what's this podcast again? We're this usually, Nintendo this podcast is unnamed. It's a podcast this, and it's generally about movies. So, let's Andrew's move away from call? video games. If Andrew bought a real video game system, we wouldn't have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get my PS5 come Christmas. I'm sure you right. will. How much that cost again? When is it coming out again? Oh, that's right. Uh, it's September, no one knows. No one knows. <laughs> that's great business. <laughs> I actually saw there was something that someone posted where Sony said, like, you could add your, you can sign up to be on a, a list to be notified of the pre order. But if what it Without is, even announcing the price, those guys have like just the thing unlocked. Because if they were to say, let's say December thirty first, right, yeah. or whatever day, if they just like um, put up a post or have a quick conference and say, "Hey, guess what, guys? PS five available today, two thousand dollars." They would be sold out. Yeah, like if <laughs> they cop, if they go on Twitter, eleven fifty nine on December thirty first, and they're like, "Yo." Tweet PS5 tomorrow. PS5 12 o'clock. <laughs> get, get ready. <laughs> People breaking into Best Buys to get PS5. <laughs> it's so dumb. This world is stupid. Speaking so, of speaking of that, let's talk about some movies and or TV shows. That being the business of drugs. The war on drugs cost millions of dollars and thousands of lives. And the only way we're going to understand how to bring it to an end is to understand the economics that drive it. Does your daughter know? Nah, I keep her far away from that. It tricks the brain into thinking you've had something incredibly rewarding. If you have too much, it will turn from happy to crazy. So Damien. Hi. You brought this TV series to our attention. Yes. The Netflix wanted to remind me that mm-hmm. taking drugs is bad. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, that's that what it, makes, it also makes a lot of money mm-hmm. as we have um, not really Clarice Starling telling us what's going on in the drug trade. Mm-hmm. Damien, tell me more. Yes, um, that initial statement you made about drugs being bad, that only applies to drugs that poor people buy. <laughs> uh, there's a couple here where the tone of the documentary shifts significantly and the clientele that are being interviewed shifts significantly when they're talking about it. 
but it's still under the umbrella term drugs. Um, I watch this solely for education. The narrator, I don't even remember what her name is. Uh, she's terrible. <laughs> they, should, they could have gotten somebody with a personality to do this. To rep- I understand that she's the analyst, but um, I'm looking here. It says her name is Fox. Um, Amarillisis Fox, whatever. Um, and I actually looked into what, like, some of her credentials. And it is true, she did work for them for a long time. And she um, has written uh, some decent papers on, you know, abolishing the war on drugs thing. And so that is what got me interested in this. Uh, but it is drab. It is six episodes. And I came in. I thought it would be more Ken, Ken Burns-like, where she'd start at like some base thing and then slowly work her way out, showing just how far um, and wide the drug trade um, is and how global it is. And she did some of that, but I think the mistake she made was splitting these episodes up into types of drugs. But the one thing that exposed to me um, is how different classes of drugs are treated differently depending on who it is that is purchasing the drugs. Sometimes the same drug is talked about in significantly different ways. But it depends on who the clientele is. So the first episode is about cocaine. And they give you basically a brief rundown of um, how cocaine is manufactured. And then they give you um, not really an in-depth. It's it's kind of strange that she breezes over... um, not only the countries that um, produce the cocaine, but like the history, both political and monetary, of what cocaine has done. Um, over, I mean, in my lifetime, cocaine was always the most dangerous one. Like, Scarface is about cocaine. People talk about cocaine like it is the, like the number one. It, this is the one. And that's not really true. Like there's drugs that are way, way worse than cocaine. But I, I'm a child of the 90s. So when people said, say no to drugs, cocaine is what we're talking about. Um, she then moves on to um, synth- synthetic drugs, which um, I like. most people know as spice. It's basically someone in a Chinese lab dreaming up madness. And you spray it on anything you have. And then you smoke that. And I didn't realize you could import um, Chinese chemicals through the regular mail. I thought there'd be some agency that really reg- that regulated these things. Apparently there is not. Um, then the third episode was heroin. They did the thing that I appreciated, which was um, move away from America. They moved... They're like, listen, heroin uh, had itself a hard time being produced and shipped into America after they, they invaded 
Afghanistan. And so the trade had to be moved to other places in the world. And um, a lot of it is now flowing through Africa. They specifically spoke about Kenya and how the effects are on there. But that is one of the shorter episodes that they will spend a lot of time really getting into the nitty gritty of how it is or why it is. Um, they move on to meth um, and they go to Myanmar and explain how basically the workers there uh, are so overworked that they need something to keep them going. And unfortunately, meth is that thing. Um, they didn't touch on what meth is doing in both North America, um, Canada, and places in Europe that really focus on Myanmar, which is good because I didn't know that it was that big a problem over there. So that is one of the, some of the takeaways I got from that. Um, and then everything, like the first four episodes was dealing with uh, poorer people like doing the bad things in order to get these things, you know, to get these drugs and they spoke about the drugs as if they were bad. And then the last two episodes turned into tech startups <laughs> and like people in bedazzled outfits. They moved on to Cannabis, which uh, we grew up in the 90s, right? You remember how people talked about weed in the 90s? Apparently that is all over. <laughs> um, it felt weird having gone through four episodes of how these these drugs and these things are destroying people. And then you get to cannabis and they're just like, listen, we should make it legal and here are people running businesses and all of this is legitimate. And you're just like, wait a second. What is... Why is... If we are... If you have a series about the business of drugs and, and you are speaking... You've already said, all right, drugs are bad. Because that's the line that you're taking. Then you don't get to three-quarter way, like halfway through the thing, be like, some drugs are good. No, you don't get to <laughs> you don't get, get to switch. Like that. Talk about the dangers and the business of the drugs. Don't editorialize and say, oh, weed can be good. No, we don't need any of that. And then the last one, opioids, um, is is one that is where the whole documentary lets itself down. Um, it is clear that they either chose not to or didn't want to explore what opioids is actually doing. They're just like, listen, some of these opioids can be used for therapy. And there are some people that use it to expand their minds. And I'm like, meanwhile, like, Opioid addiction is one of the things tearing through America and Canada. And, like, they basically hand wave all of that away. And so while there was some information to be gathered from this, Netflix calls it a limited series. Um, there are, it is not, I wouldn't recommend anybody to... Watch this because the narrator, uh, she's not um, charismatic enough to 
pull like Douglas said something offhand when we were playing the trailer. Douglas is like her voice. I remember. <laughs> I'm like this lady. I don't like her voice, and he's he's not wrong. And they don't spend enough time getting to the heart of the thing that this whole series is supposed to be going at the business side. Like there are some other things that will, there's some other branches that you can go down once you're following the money. But I thought this was just going to be, look, I have spent this amount of time here. This is what, this is how these businesses grow and survive. Um, this is the reason why we should, and they, they touch on this point um, a little, nowhere near enough. Like, this is why we should focus on helping people instead of imprisoning everybody because this this thing only exists as a result of and then they give so but it's that is not the focus of this um documentary series um it this documentary series really lacks focus but i have always been fascinated by uh, drugs and the people that take drugs uh, because I, and I've said this before on this podcast, I don't have first-hand knowledge or, or experiences either taking or being around people that I love and, you know, spend any significant time with that take any of the, even, and I know this uh, will be surprising for people who aren't Jamaican and hear this, I don't have a lot of friends that smoke weed. <laughs> In fact, if I'm thinking really hard, of my close friends, zero of them <laughs> smoke. I don't have any weed smoking friends. And I've lived there all my life. Uh, we have full access to it here, but it's not as serious as um, American media portrays it here. I mean, I worked in tourism and when foreigners come here, you they th- they talk about Jamaica like it's one giant um, weed tree with wearing a Bob Marley shirt. That is not <laughs> what this is. Um, but overall, I find this um, documentary to be very disappointing. Uh, the subject matter could like they should have had her on as like a correspondent, like someone to give them information, and they should have spent more time. Um, like really trying to steer the ship, but they didn't. And uh, I think if we add this up, is Douglas right? Is this for us? Probably for us. Um, it was a complete waste of four hours. I did get some information, but uh, as, as I said earlier, I wouldn't recommend this. Uh, but having said that, I did force two other people to watch this. Andrew and Douglas, the floor is yours. I mean, you wouldn't recommend anyone watch this, but yes, we are here. Yep. <laughs> um, I think, the, first of all, uh, just as a side note, I stopped in the middle of the weed episode. Yes. Right? So I only got to episode five okay. of this six episode. <laughs> You're just like, series. I don't need to see any more of this. Um, I find it very uninteresting this documentary and it's weird because i sincerely think it could be interesting the concept of looking at the 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 business of drugs to see basically any underground business and how it's actually worked my problem with this documentary is 90 percent of it isn't that 
it feels it feels a lot like what we would have seen in the 90s talking about drugs where they're like yeah there's this thing that you shouldn't have because it's bad for you but these people do this stuff and then they walk us through bits and pieces of what these people are doing but at the same time it never really feels tangible it doesn't feel like I got a good understanding of what's going on truly other than the the vague thing that we already know is that it's happening right um like I think probably the one piece of information I got out of this whole thing was I didn't know spice was a thing right so I learned that um but (laughs) I didn't know about spice I didn't know about spice (laughs) I mean, right. she's a pretty big um I knew about the Spice Girls. Uh-huh. I didn't know. You know about Spice Girls? <laughs> you know about Pimental Spice? <laughs> I know about what they call All Spice here. Yes. Right. <laughs> all Spice. <laughs> Um, I love it. that threw me point. for a loop when I when I was like looking for that and I, and yeah. they're like and I had to like Google it and they're like oh it's all spice here I'm like oh <laughs> you um, know we had a word for this <laughs> like, we don't care <laughs> um but yeah it's like this to me is the driest most uninteresting way you could put together this documentary. And I feel like what this has is if I was to make a good version of the footage they have is if you made like a 10 to 15 minute YouTube video and you put up some good infographics, right? Because I mean, um, if we want to keep getting down on her, um, Amarlis Fox, I've, she has a lot of great information. I just feel like either they needed other people to help present that information yeah. Um. Or sh- they just needed to make it shorter. Like this. Like I don't know why they even did an episode per per drug. I like it, I don't get it. It, it it feels like they're just stretching and they're going through. Like each episode, they go through almost their own procedural format. Like we're talking about NYPD Blue solving mysteries <laughs> every week, right? Where you have the the lady show up and she's like she does her thing talking about like her history with the drug whether it be that she lived in every country that she that exists on the planet as a child as yep. far as this documentary tells I me i mean that is a great flex <laughs> um to get a documentary made on drugs so that you can show off to everybody listen i have lived everywhere <laughs> but more importantly like as a child like her childhood was everywhere um and then her talking about her cia background and then she would talk a little bit about the impoverished people who get forced into this work and then she'd have an interview with a guy who says that he does this stuff because Mm -hmm. it makes him a lot of money and he can buy a fridge now or whatever obvious thing ever (laughs) and then drugs for money and then a guy explains to me how the distribution model works and how the money piles yeah. up. And then the episode a ends. And then yeah. Some guy in a suit turns up. <laughs> it's just like, yo. No. And then at that point, the episode ends and you're just like, all right, I guess that's how it works. And then they rinse and repeat that same procedure for every other episode. So right? <laughs> it's, it's like, it's so disinteresting. Oh my God. And I mean, it's like... I look at it and I'm like, I knew I shouldn't have let Damien do this. 
You should have known that before <laughs> and given me enough time to pick some, or veto it and pick something else. I was, I tried at first. I'm like, Damon, are you sure? And then you're like, I'm sure. I'm like, all right, yeah. God damn it. Listen, I came to this mad person based on articles and papers that she's, that she wrote, which I found interesting. I know that give, put a camera before her and she was going to turn into God. I didn't know that. I couldn't have known that. <laughs> you couldn't have known. Um, <laughs> I thought just the information alone would have been excited. And they were just like, no. What if we made the just driest words? I just gave you the procedural information. You, yeah. I've, I've told you the business of every drug. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, people sell drugs for money. Oh, wait? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> um, like... Like, when I think about it, I mean, I think I've seen YouTube documentaries by, like, Gordon Ramsay, where he travels into these cocaine things. And I've seen these things about these cocaine um, farms that are then to the the processing plants, where he actually shows me the people actually making it kind of like a cooking video, but for cocaine. Um, And I've found those interesting, and I've enjoyed watching those five to ten minute videos that yeah. told me those things um this four hour irishman documentary uh-uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes that's great hi hi douglas <laughs> so is it my turn yes it is yay yes um before i talk about this 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 television show mm-hmm I'd like to go back a little bit. I'd like to take you through a day in the life at my office. When I go to work in the morning, I sit down, I turn on my computer, I wait for half an hour because my computer sucks. And one thing I should get a better computer. I should, except except, uh, I don't pay for that computer. You should uh, make them buy you a better computer. Ah, yeah, man. Okay. That's how cool. business works. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm waiting for the computer to turn on, I then, thankfully, was able to uh, secure a seat, a table, at a desk, uh, in front or in a, a good viewing position of a television. And so I tend to turn it on. And, you know, I'm mindful that I am at work and mm-hmm. not at home. So I don't put on movie channels. I don't put on porn. What I do put on mm-hmm. is the news. Yes. And for a long time, I have known that I don't like uh, really channels like CNN. In particular, CNN. CNN knows how to do certain things. They know how to do I am arguing with 20 <laughs> different people very yes. well. Yes. Right? How many but, people can shout at each other at a time? <laughs> <laughs> CNN has got you covered. But the thing about CNN and those types of channels is they don't have a lot to say. And the truth is, 24-hour news, there isn't a lot to say, right? You have maybe one big or two big talking points, and you mm-hmm. talk around it until another one pops up a week later. And that is tiring in and of itself. And you can almost live with it, except for the fact that, in particular, what CNN does is they also have these things where they're just like, why don't I just play music for half an hour and show you the weather? 
or mm -hmm. how about I teach you how to play golf? Yes. And <laughs> I love I, the golf segment. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I don't like CNN. <laughs> yes. And I promise this is going somewhere. But because of that, I decided, you know what? I'm going to try and watch BBC News because, you know, the Brits always do it better. And in some ways, they do. Mm -hmm. And when Brexit was going on, they were on point. I was really enjoying it because yes. they had a lot of content. But now that we're back to normal world, well, I mean, not Brexit world, <laughs> uh, BB I realize the thing about BBC is they clearly don't like to pay real people uh, because they might have an hour worth of people actually telling me news, which is really good, interesting. But that hour is one hour per every 24 hours, and then everything else is produced content. Yes. Shitty produced content about things like i don't know what's going on in africa or some sort of covid vaccine or how somebody got covid you know that kind of thing no this is this is where i link this long-winded weird ass story to what we watch today because the thing i've noticed about the bbc produced content is it's generally garbage it's generally not very good and I'm not interested in whatever it is. So I have moved on to now actually going back to CNN or maybe Bloomberg or whatever. But I'm here to tell you I found something that's worse than the BBC garbage. It's this shitty show that Damien made me watch. You're welcome, Douglas. And it feels, it genuinely feels like right. bad produced uh, spots for news, something that maybe I'd see on Channel 7 at 8, you know, um, and it would have some cheesy ad about, do you know where your children are tonight? It feels like a PBS show. <laughs> it's like, it specifically has that weird, like, this could have been a documentary, but we gave them $13 and so they just made what they could. <laughs> yeah. And this, this, I feel they spent, I mean, a lot of the points that you guys have said already, they spent a lot of time on these various topics where you felt it didn't need to be as long or if it were as long, we'd love to see, you know, something else, something more interesting or something more informative about it. Right. And, also, and I think this will now be the the bad thing that Andrew wants to cut out or or just simply somebody saying, tisk tisk, Douglas, why are you saying these things? But I just did not like the, let's call them the two main characters. I didn't like the narrator and I yes. didn't like the person who went all over the place to interview people. Um, I didn't feel like, and we've said it before, the narrator, the CIA lady, had, uh, let's call it the charisma required yes. to pull off that role. Um, it just, it, it didn't work for me. I, I, as you said, Damien, when I heard her voice again um, in the, the lead-up that we had, I literally like threw up a little in my mouth. I was like, oh, oh I don't like this woman's voice. And that's probably the, you know, 
childish reaction version of what I really think, which is, you know, she just doesn't have the... It. Whatever, whatever it is, is, she doesn't yeah. have <laughs> Right. Um, and then when it comes to the interviewer, and both, actually, both the interviewer and the CIA agent had this, but the interviewer more so because she was in all of these weird locations. Um, and I feel really bad for even thinking this, and I wonder if it's just that she speaks a certain way and has a certain tone, and I, in my weird mind, have just decided that people with that kind of tone and how she speaks are just condescending assholes. But that's mm -hmm. how I felt about her every time I saw her talk to somebody. Um, and she just, like, every other, or maybe not every other, but she mentioned more than she needed to about how, you know, she's been to Thailand and she's been arrested. She, right. um, she grew up in this section of the world. She's been over here a lot and she's seen all of these things. And so she knows and understands. Right. And she, I, I, I didn't need that. I was like, you're, you're there. <laughs> Talk to the people what live there. I don't yes. care about you. <laughs> I didn't know that is what this was for. <laughs> And then when she talks to all of these people who um, inevitably are, you know, poor users or drug dealers who are um, criminals, but not necessarily like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe criminals out of necessity, you know, that right. kind of thing. There's just this vibe that she has mm -hmm. that is like, oh, mm -hmm. and I don't like that. <laughs> Be I a user lady, please, you know? Yeah. Um, and that really got me. And you're right. One thing I didn't catch at the time, but as you're saying it, I agree with you, is that there is, there are certain drugs where they're like, well, actually, these, you know, why, why is this so bad, right? Yeah. Um, because they spoke about, and the funny thing is I actually agree with them with the, the, the point on weed and um, that, because I see it in business. Um, now that they've done this quasi-legalization at least in the States right. it's real hard to the business um, yeah. you, have to, you have to have so much money yeah. just but to it's not even in there so, and so then limit the, license. the licenses right? so, yeah. so that part I, didn't, I wasn't aware of and sure I agree right? The, that's a big barrier to entry but even simple things as and they mention it in the documentary hmm. you have to use cash you can't use banks yeah. Yeah. because Federal, or rather, um, banks yeah. in the states will not take money from people who right because it's illegal on a federal level. Yeah, it's yeah. legal state by state, but federally you can't. So there's nothing that can be done. You have to use exactly. cash, and if you have a lot of cash, bad things yeah. <laughs> tend to happen. Exactly, and I think it's a little bit better in Canada because they've done it a little more thoroughly. But you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are <laughs> And I think it's interesting, like, what they spoke about in the, the weed section where they said, listen, if they were to actually get this right and this thing were regulated, and let's put aside for a moment, and they didn't put it aside, to be fair to them, but me, I'm going to put aside the barriers to entry being harmful for, for 
diversity in terms of the ownership of right. of the the industry mm-hmm. but if you um create something or a, an avenue for this to actually be legal and um and profitable while legal then potentially you could at least mitigate all of the the nonsense all of the dark side things that happen mm-hmm. to this industry yeah. and that's that's an interesting thing to look at if they were to actually do it right yeah um but but it was weird so i won't talk too much about the weed because that's something that that i guess me personally i don't think is like who cares um and so i mean I we live here we don't with that. Yeah. as bad as it is yeah but you're right in the sense that that in this, when I talked about spoke about synthetics, it was a very positive vibe. Yeah, man. Right? They were like, you know, at one stage, I think they even said something to the effect of, and they couched it as um, it being this other scientist that said it, but it mm-hmm. seemed very clear that they were saying it too. But they were like, listen, by um, banning these drugs, you have yeah. stifled medical development. Yes. Which yeah, actually potentially could that. be true, but like, yeah. But you, come on, guys. You're right. Guys, come <laughs> so why, on. Why are you having this positive view oh, about this? Know that there's a cocaine and heroin. <laughs> listen, we shouldn't. It. We we shouldn't because I don't live in their society, so I don't usually coach everything in race. But it was real obvious that when they weren't talking to white people, <laughs> the tone of the, the documentary was like. This is bad and it's destroying <laughs> lives. And then we got to weed and opioids, and all of the destruction disappeared. <laughs> what is happening in this documentary? Um, but, but yeah, that, this, this show is bad. It's and really nobody bad. should watch it. It's <laughs> Um, but as, as I said before. There are some bits of information that I did not have that this documentary gave me, which is good. Um, but I shouldn't have to go through four hours <laughs> of a drab presentation for uh, a couple pieces of information. Um, the episode on myth um, when they went to Myanmar, like I. That is the one standout episode because none of that information um, I knew before before that. Um, I knew about heroin in Africa, uh, but the whole meth thing and the fact that the people that are using it are like workers in factories. Like that is a side to the drug. Notice they didn't talk about that positively. Even though people are using it so that they can work harder. That wasn't spoken to as, as a positive. But someone in Twitter. was the only episode where they directly, I think they yeah. kind of tangentially um, connected it otherwise. But that was the mm-hmm. only episode where they directly connected drugs to the funding of, let's call it terrorism. But really, yeah. in this case, it was um, uh, mm-hmm. militias that control right. Um, areas yeah. in a yeah. not good way. Opioids definitely don't do that. <laughs> definitely not. 
Weed? Never. This would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of mention for for those who I say at least you know give them the the benefit of the doubt to say that they do it tangentially because at least they mention like the cartels that um that actually traffic it and that kind of yeah. thing. But that was but the only was time so where they were like, listen, here like, are the people that that are actually funding their that, guns and in the cannabis and one. There was a guy. That was making super weed for yes. zillions of dollars. And they're just like, yeah, because of course. And you're just like, what is happening? What is this documentary about? Take and he was a clean out of white it. guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, take weed out of this documentary then. This doesn't fit the tone. And then they went to opiates and I was just like, all right, I don't know what I don't know what this is anymore. <laughs> I don't know what kind of documentary this is. Uh, I mean, uh, it is a troubling, bad. awful piece of garbage. Yeah. Um, okay, guys, drugs are bad. The thing about it, though, is that all of the things you guys are talking about positively about this documentary, that being something to talk about, not that we're saying positive things, mm-hmm. um, is basically things you would have found in any documentary about this, right? Yeah. Like just the way that the conversation about drug A versus drug B, right? Um, in many ways, the science versus the the way that it's used today is always a conversation about how drugs are talked about and why they should be used in certain ways and not in others, <laughs> and how communities are forced into doing these awful things. And I myself talking the way I am, I'm, I'm literally doing the thing the documentary did. Yep. Right. It's maybe you should do a documentary on drugs. It's, <laughs> it's also, as Damien said, we're children of the '90s, and it's baked into us from having heard. Uh, Constantly, Big. drugs are bad. Listen, um, listen. Baked. Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush told me not to do drugs, and I believe her. <laughs> she said, "Say no," and I've done that since the nineties. Um, and I continue to enjoy every person who I tell I've never smoked weed, and they're like, "Really? Like weed? But you're from Jamaica. Is that mm-hmm. legal?" difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. You know what I mean? It's awfully difficult. I suppose I won't get out of here till she dies or I die. Who is she? This is the worst one of my wedding pictures. So this week we're here to finish off our measles documentary marathon with their 1975 film gray gardens following the the mother-daughter combo of edith little eddie and edith not little eddie bouvier um beale in their property of gray gardens and in in strong fashion i want to start with a quote from one Mr. Um, Roger Ebert talking about this film. Um, He says, and I quote, still they've preserved a few things while abandoning so much. They still have wit, style, and what I would define as sanity. Grey Gardens, one of the most haunting documentaries in a long time, preserves their strange existence and we're pleased that it does. 
It expands our notions of possibilities. It's about two classic eccentrics, two people who refuse to live the way they're supposed to. But by the film's end, we see that they live fully in ways of their own choosing. Um, I'd like to say that this quote comes from a very intelligent man who wrote for a long time about film. But like many men who are very intelligent and wrote about film, very many times they were very manily wrong. Um, this movie is about two crackheads yeah. <laughs> that went, <laughs> that went a cracking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the... That's pretty good. <laughs> this movie disturbed me on so many levels yeah, that no. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't manage it. I had to like, uh, hop, like most of the movies we watched for this this marathon, it took me a few sittings to get through it. Um, and th- the only thing I feel I can gleam out of it, other than the understanding that people love to see people be really insane and really not make sense. Like staring at a train crash and just going, how did that happen? I get that. I understand that because I see what reality television is today. And I wonder if those people who make reality television, I don't know which was the first, whether it was MTV's real world or something before that, I'm not completely certain if they looked at this and they said, what if we made that again? What if we put people in a room and just film them being crazy? And that would be television. And I, I admire it for inventing something that's basically a trash file of a, of a product that I hate. Um, but at the same time, this movie is, and as Damien would, I'd love to quote, not for me. <laughs> the it's it's strange also because there's so much I remember I remember when I was starting to like plan out this this marathon and I was um looking forward to this one if only for, if only for the reason that as I went to see what this film was about and I heard the clip and it was in the it was in the clip that I played um there's that line where um little Eddie says it's hard to tell the difference between the past and the present um and that line I've been I've heard so many times so many weeks listening to another podcast the next picture show because that's part of their intro clip and I'm like oh that's where it came from um and just there's so many moments in this movie where I feel like if I had just seen clips of these women being as insane as they are and if we were to in the in the spirit of the documentary we just talked about, because we're talking about two rich white ladies, say it in a much nicer way, be as eccentric as they are, right? I feel I could have found more more favor towards this film, but in the period of the hour and a half that this movie runs, I feel like it was just attacking my brain, and finding ways to destroy it to make sure that I'd no longer be a functional human being by the time this movie ended. Um, this movie is hard. This movie is bad. This movie is rough, and I don't understand it. Damien, help me. Okay. 
so this, this documentary um, is about um, the aunt and cousin of basically the only American royalty there's ever been, <laughs> the Kennedys. Jackie and, O, not the Kennedys, it's Jackie Onassis. I'm sorry? Jackie Onassis, not really a Kennedy. No, I'm saying they're cousins. To Jackie Onassis, who is not no, really to a Jacqueline Kennedy. Kennedy. Who was married to the Kennedy. They're not Kennedy's son. Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> okay. If you're married to royalty, you're not royalty. When that's that? <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm confused. Douglas Kennedy. Listen, watch that shitty movie that Natalie Portman is in and then we can talk later. I did watch that shitty movie that Natalie Portman is in. I just don't talk about it because it's bad. Anyway. No, you did talk about it because some asshole, and I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure it's Andrew, made us yeah. watch yeah. Um, Damien, before you say what you're about to say, I was actually reading about how this documentary was made. Yes. And apparently the Maisel's brothers were offered to like make it about Jackie O and her sister or something yep. as well as the Bovairs. And they looked at Jackie O after filming for a while and went, I don't think there's a movie there, but these two ladies, yeah. I think they've got something. Yep. Psychosis is what they had. <laughs> um, watching this movie, like they live in the Hamptons. They live in a house that is falling apart. And the guys there, like, they talk to them sometimes. They even film them interacting with these ladies. And you watch it and you're like, you're like, if someone filmed hoarders and then they're just like, what if we took another hoarder and put two hoarders together and had an MTV producer? And that, like, every single minute, as soon as they establish what this documentary is, is scarier and scarier. Because these ladies need help. Like, by the time they get to feeding raccoons, you're just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course they are. Why wouldn't they be feeding raccoons inside of this house? They're they're off the reservation. Like, they left a long time ago and did not come back. Wherever they are, we don't get to visit. And to know that it's a mother and daughter, so that they've spent so much time around each other that they no longer exist in our reality, it actually scared me. Because I live with my mom. <laughs> and I was just like, this is possible. One of them can break and then just drag the other with them. And then over time, they just become the same person. And it is... The thing about it, though, is that a better, like, a better film crew could have probably gotten something out of this material or like better editing, better something could have gotten like me more, I don't know if entertainment is the word. Um, 
got but would have made me more invested in this. But because it's just them doing the directors just doing the thing that they do, they're just they just be in a space. Like they're not trying to get to the top or bottom of this. They're not trying to explain anything. They're just like, look, we found two of the craziest people. And they've let us inside of their house. And as long as we're here, we're just going to keep these cameras on. Because they have gone so far. And no, like, they show you the decay around them. Because, of course, being this guy not crazy has ramifications. But no one is interested in questioning what led them down to this point. The documentarians don't care. They don't care about anything. They're just like, watch these two crazy people. We're fascinated. You should be fascinated. And I was, just like with every episode of Hoarders that I watch, I skip through, like, once it is established that the person is crazy, I'm there to see why, what kind of crazy they are, and I'm there to see the reaction when people finally clean out their garbage. The whole middle bit is too sad and too depressing for me to watch because these people need actual help. Someone needed to go in and go, listen, not like this. We understand that everyone gets to live their lives and do whatever they want, but you guys are in clear violation of everything. <laughs> like We need to help you. But no one does. And by the hour mark, I was just, it was just fatigued. I was just fatigued. I was, I, I couldn't keep, I just couldn't keep watching this with anything other than waiting for it to, to end. I just needed the movie to end. I, did, I wasn't looking for any kind of resolution. I, I was just like, I don't want to spend any more time around these two crazy people. I've seen the extent of their craziness. I saw it in the first half hour. I just need this to end because it's not my, my voyeuristic nature of looking into people's lives was exhausted in the first 30 minutes and the rest of it just became painful. And I understand why it is that people um, regard this documentary so highly. I get it. I'm just... Like, it's it was done so long ago and I'm coming to it so late and I have already seen enough reality TV to know I, that I hate reality TV. That watching this now, uh, I can respect it much like um, Rosebud. I can respect what it did for the medium. That doesn't mean I'm ever, ever under any circumstance going to recommend this to anybody or watch it again. Uh, Douglas Robinson. You, you like trash. <laughs> Help. Okay, so Andrew, Damien, yes, your bumbo hole. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, I'm yeah. actually upset in particular with Damien, uh huh, because 
you fail to understand what has just happened. Uh-huh. These two just what's the best way to describe these these Maisel's brothers? The, these two um scam artists. You sure? Charlotte's <laughs> this odd couple, right? Yeah. Who decide that their job is to not do anything. Yep. Their job on every movie that at least we have seen to date is so, to sit down, be there, and, and point a camera in their yeah, Point a camera and go eat. Exactly. <laughs> and then later on, you put the, 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 the things together and, and not say, movie. Money about <laughs> any sort of structure or anything, right? That is what these people do. <laughs> no. You, Damien, yes. as a connoisseur of Amzos, yes. right? As a, a, a lover of things like um, war on everyone. Yes. You have found yourself watching a film which is effectively the personification of a perfect fucking storm. This is the only content matter the only sort of subjects that can make what they do not be the worst fucking thing in the world <laughs> right and to make it I just, mildly I interesting be, exactly <laughs> I just want to be very clear here this is not me saying that I like or dislike this movie because of anything that these two fucking assholes and it's upsetting that the movie's about two women because w- whenever I say two, it could be them. But no, I'm talking about the, the, the director and whatever, yes. the measles. Yes. Me liking or disliking this film has nothing to do with any sort of skill or yeah. what was it that Ebert said? Fucking nuances yes. that these two brothers bring to the table. Fuck these guys. They weren't but, even in the house. <laughs> they left the cameras and left. Went home and went to sleep. <laughs> but I have to say that I had myself a fucking time watching this movie. Watching I, two women destroy themselves. Yes, I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Does that make me a bad person? Yes. Absolutely. 100 million percent. But I. You should so, watch Borders. <laughs> like this no, I have a TV is, show for you first of all I agree with you I don't generally like re- reality television and also how you described hoarders yeah. doesn't appeal to me because what I do like about this mm-hmm. is what you don't like about this which is they came and said oh I think you guys have some issues mm-hmm. I think it is kind of weird and I want to see this, but I don't actually care about why you got to this stage. That is what it was for me. I was I was down. I was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, but you seem to I care just love watching the world burn. Exactly. You seem to care about that, and it seems that Hordas seems to care about that, so it's not for me, dog. Um, so I enjoyed just watching them. I, I felt like them right mm-hmm. when i was watching this movie where it starts off and you kind of say oh this this lady seems a little odd mm-hmm. and then you just find yourself 
almost morbidly sitting down and watching these women just mm-hmm. go from what just leveling up every yeah. time right and i i shouldn't but holy shit i found it entertaining and obviously i'm not the only one which is why yeah, this is what it is yeah man, but, people love this one but i really no i'm never going to watch this movie again but and perhaps a part of my enjoyment of this movie is the bar that was originally set because yeah, that, that would help there you go we have spoken about how just universally you and i have hated the other two movies <laughs> i like i like how he says universally and then excludes me you, you, call, <laughs> you call them movies i would disagree with your statement <laughs> That is correct, Andrew. You are not a part of this universe. <laughs> if, if the first two are movies, then I am a filmmaker. <laughs> I'd just like to let you know I'm in the Marvel universe. You guys are in the DC, right? Fair That's enough. all I'm saying. Hey, listen. Um, I'll watch myself some more Harley Quinn. Um, I feel yeah. like I like that movie. <laughs> I know I like that movie. I'm not sure yet. I need to watch I, it the second time. I just came out the second time. Um... And I, I like the Batman movie now. And Zack Snyder is claims that he's making the the Avengers of the League we wanted. So maybe I'll watch that. But just to, to say this movie, just the what it was for me too, and I think it's probably because of how my mind works. I was confused the whole way through. Because to be class. It doesn't <laughs> they don't make sense. Everything that they do, you say, but you say to yourself, how, why is the question that I kept asking myself? And instead of answering the question, they They answered another question, another thing that made me go, but why? And I loved it. (laughs) So the the part that I I started, that started to, to get me initially was hearing them talk because mm-hmm. at first because people don't speak like how they speak like yeah. this they speak like they're like the time travel like <laughs> they are all around all over that's, the place that's true because they have they have the boston <laughs> accent and yeah. then kind of devolve into some sort of almost colonial british accent it's sometimes. like i don't know where they're from what time they're in they don't know but what where they're from or what time they're in <laughs> Are Edie Bovier. <laughs> like and you cannot have a last name like that and actually have a regular old accent. By the way, just to let you know, I mm. said to you guys that I don't have notes on, on any of the things we're talking about. Yes. I did make one note for this movie. Uh-huh. And that note I made in the first five minutes, and it's one word. It's Shaq. Um but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you're an> idiot. <laughs> uh, like, but just watching these women go from scenario to scenario being um, inside this house. And I actually enjoyed the, I don't know what to, to call it because I don't actually know what these things are, but, but we, we, we kind of, I, I know we almost call it the schizophrenic nature of, of, of the relationships where for a long time, I would say maybe about a half of the movie, you view these these women as, yeah, they're odd. Um, they 
don't live the way that you and I would live, but they seemed to have at least this relationship that, that was a positive one that you know they were both it's like they both signed a roommate agreement and said this is what we want yep. right and i want to be here with you you want to be here with me but then at some stage there's a, a switch that that um is turned on where you see that you cannot have these type of personalities and not have conflict and there's definitely some conflict going on there and even I'm sad to say I enjoyed that conflict. <laughs> I enjoyed just watching little Edie just bitch about how, you know, she was a contender. She yep. was going to, at 35 or whatever age was when she was in New York City, she was going to be big on the, the, the big screen. And she was, she was about to get her big break until her mother... Yep. dragged her into this house and yep. locked her up with a key and swallowed it and never let her go again. She, she also wanted to go to a reunion and the mother did the same yeah. thing. Yeah, and there were on, there was a guy that, that proposed to her that yep. her mother didn't want and it's her mother's fault why she's yep. not married to him. And oh my God. Almost like... Are you, are you the little lady, Douglas? <laughs> oh, I... I mean, I don't want to go as far to say as I love this movie because I don't think I do, but mm. I really enjoyed my time with it. I enjoyed um, being a monster and that, laughing at other people's troubles. I want you to know right. how happy it makes me that somebody liked this movie. <laughs> because, because your enjoyment of the movie proves that all these people that were pretending that they like this movie for something other than laughing at people's pain or lying. <laughs> <laughs> they like this movie for the same reason people love reality TV. They're monsters. <laughs> but no one who talks about this movie doesn't talk about it as if, oh no, I like this because I'm a terrible person and like to watch people's whole world uh, collapse. No, they're like, no, listen, it is an exploration of it's not an exploration of anything. They're people who are in pain and have put themselves in this position for whatever reason. And they need uh, mental help and have gotten absolutely none of it. And you're laughing at the fact that <laughs> their world is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. I just didn't want it this time. <laughs> uh, so my mother has now become enamored with um, paternity court and divorce court and um, all of the other courts. And it is because she enjoys uh, judging people. Like, she enjoys listening to people bring their problems and so that she can look at them and go, you're all crazy people. And then laugh at their pain and i said that to her she's just like is that why i like these and then she kept watching them and she's like yeah this is exactly why i like this i like judging and laughing at people who if you're on this show this represents the lowest point or one of the most hurtful points in your life and there's just people on the other side of the cameras laughing at you 
And that is what Douglas <laughs> spent an hour and a half doing. So Douglas, you should watch Hoarders and you should give paternity court a try. <laughs> if you like laughing at crazy people, the internet, is, they've made a lot of TV for you. Uh, Andrew, I'll never watch anything from this man again. I mean, he knew that without me saying it, but from these guys, not because it's two of them, but it doesn't really matter. I'll group them together and never watch anything from them. Um, I've hated this marathon because none of the movies gave me anything. Um, there are some fascinating tidbits. Uh, the one before, the salesman uh, reminded me that not to be reminded, showed me a thing that even though subconsciously I'd have worked it out, I didn't spend it. Like I didn't know there were door-to-door Bible salesmen and that the people doing it were just regular people. I thought there had to be church people, but I was wrong. Because I didn't think about, like I didn't spend the time to think about it. But outside of that, small, small thing that I am appreciated of this was um, uh, this was a bigger mistake than me rewatching Mortal Engines. Why would you rewatch Mortal Engines? I mean, I started. I mean, our guy, movie. our guy Robert Sheehan is in that yeah. movie, right? So I hear you, but so boy. I, I started following some YouTube channel um, and they talk about uh, weird aspects of movies. And the guy made a point. He's like, listen, we should spend time. We should really, as movie fans, we should spend money to go and watch the weird movies. The movies are about space and time. and Because while a lot of them will be ter- have terrible stories, um, it is the world building part that should fascinate you. And I've always had problems with seeing movies as building worlds. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. I've mocked Andrew relentlessly for years for doing so. And so I was going back and using those movies, movies I know are bad, looking past the badness of the movie, which I knew going in. I didn't expect anything about the movie to change. But to look at it specifically as what is it that these people are trying to build with these worlds? And um, watch Jupiter Ascending, watch Mortal Engines to see, you know, what is it that these guys were trying to do? Um, And so that is why I ended up watching those but I'd do that again rather than watching any, I'm never going to watch any of his movies again. This is I uh, waste of time. It's so bad. Uh, but no I know uh, knowing is half the battle. Right. So Damien, yes. take us away. What have you been watching other than bad movies. So I watch Jupiter Ascend. <laughs> <laughs> and I watch Mortal Engines. <laughs> um, uh, I 
I sat down and I watched. Um, I remember, I, I, I'm pretty sure I said it to you, Andrew. Maybe it was over WhatsApp. Um, like you had sent um, a video. Um, like we're trying, we're discussing who we could watch um, for our upcoming um, marathon, and we. I don't. Are we going to watch his movies? I don't want to give it away on the podcast if we're actually going to watch the movies, Andrew. So are we going to do that? Um, we can definitely do that for the next setup. Um, All right, so I won't talk about those movies then. It's but fine. I mean, yeah, like we can we can talk on WhatsApp over the next week and come up with a short list based on what's available. All right, so let me skip that. Um, in that case, I've been watching um the first three episodes of The Boys season two. Yes, Debian. I'm very upset because when the third episode ended and there was no more episodes for a second, I was just like, "Is this a three episode season?" Like what? I cannot believe that Amazon is doing this to me. So actually, are you one of those people review bombing Amazon? Oh, no, no. I, you've met me before. I don't care about <laughs> reviewing things on the internet outside of this podcast. So Damien, clearly you and I were the opposite. So I had already known for whatever reason, I saw it on the internet somewhere, that they were doing it weekly. So right. I, on the opposite side, was happy that I got three episodes because okay. I thought I was only going to get one. one. So. Okay. So, I mean, I was, oh, that Friday night, Damien, oh, that's yeah. all I was doing. It was yeah. so good. But clearly they're doing, because it's HBO, that's how HBO does theirs, three okay. episodes a time. So clearly that's what they must be doing, unless um, it's that because, say, it was, I believe it's supposed to be one a week from now on. Yeah, I think it's one a week from now on. Assholes! Tell you, man. Um, so much. I really enjoyed season one of The Boys. Um it took until season two for me to find out that it is actually based on a comic book. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's the I same guy. It's an actual that, comic um, book. That did Preacher. Right. Uh, so I didn't know. And finding this out, though, I was just like, do I still like this show as much as I, I do? Because uh, now they're cheating. Um, <laughs> but... On an aside, I just finished the first season of The Boys. Yeah. Ooh. And... True. I quite like it. Yeah. Yes. Renata calls it the bootleg X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love if one of the big studios made um, one of these, like a bizarre world with their big superheroes, just have them be evil in a universe for a movie. Yeah. And it, you have to read the comics for that. Yeah, but I'm saying at this point the whole world is reading these comics via the movies. Just start getting buck wild with some of these movies. I mean, Thor worked. They took Thor, which was the worst one, and then Taika saved it by making it as crazy as possible. And everyone loves that movie. So do more like that. I mean, some will fail, obviously, but it's better than having... Like, I rewatched. um both Wonder Woman and um, what's the uh, um, and Captain Marvel because I heard that um, I think there was some mix up with some movie where um, both endings was were going to work out to be 
kind of the same and so they had to change one and so i rewatched both those movies and i remember liking both those movies at the time and rewatching those movies i don't like those movies are as average as <laughs> as I, like none of them are special in any way and so, i'm like this yeah. is what i told you when when we watched those movies first and you were just like oh no yes no, no, but no, Douglas, no. i was in i was in uh, i was I, the trance, the spell didn't break because they kept coming up, they kept coming out. So I didn't have time to to think. Yeah. I was just watching them as an episode. I'm like, sure, but who would ever watch one of these on their own? You just watch it so that you can get ready for the next one. Yep. Um, and, and then I watched you, both I of them. I've watched Wonder Woman recently, and it's fine. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's okay. You're mediocre. Probably, yeah. And you know what, I still Marvel, like that movie. I, I, I definitely feel like I like Captain Marvel more, but pro- that's probably just because it's a part of, as you say, that whole. You like know, it, it's a reason to to know what's happening for the next one. Wonder Woman, the 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 finale of Wonder Woman is just bad. It's just flat out one hundred. It's bad. Should not have been part of that movie in any way, shape, or form. It's so terrible. And the middle part of Captain Marvel is a waste. It's, it drags hard, but really? it's I like watch they're, they're, I have watched they're okay movies. There's nothing special about those movies. If there weren't these iconic characters, no one would ever remember anything about this movie. Um, but. Uh, what we're, we're talking about the boys. The first three episodes of the boys is is, is fine. Um, my favorite character is getting more screen time. The fish man, I love him. Really? <laughs> I love him. He's he's the 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 guy playing him is perfect. His <laughs> characterization, everything about him, is so on point. And there's a cameo where his gills talk, and it is um, Patton Oswalt that made me chuckle. But it's so he's he perfectly encapsulates ineptitude merged with superpowers, and then having an inferiority like all of it works. And I love every time he's on the screen. I love him. It's tremendous. And everything else, like, it's a fun show, and I like it, and I hope, I'm upset that I'm going to have to wait 18 weeks to finally finish this, but I guess... Billy Butcher, I love watching Carl Urban just chew the fucking scene. I mean, that goes without say. When I say he's my favorite, like, it's obvious that um, the... The Superman standing and Billy Butcher are the two yep. key parts. Everybody can see that. The, the whole show is around them. It's it's obvious that those are the two carrying this mo- the TV show along. But then you have to find other things. I can't just come here and go, Billy Butcher is fantastic, everybody. I actually love Quaid. I can't remember his first name. I just know he's, he's Dennis's son. Yeah. Uh, but I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, I want him to get darker because he's kind of started, and that's actually yeah. why I kind of got upset at how 
early they brought Butcher back. Yeah. I, I was hoping that he could that get he'd a little slip more. into it fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, of course, I love this show. Come on. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and then uh, obvi- obviously sports. I mean, yeah, the playoffs. It's, <laughs> it's the playoffs. I've, it's happening right now. I've <laughs> lost. I've lost so many hours uh, to the playoffs. Um, it's it's actually a little frightening. But speaking of frightening things, Douglas came on to this podcast and Douglas said, "Hey, Damian, you remember Trigon?" And I went, (laughs) yes, I haven't seen that in a thousand years. And I actually haven't finished that yet. I kind of stopped in the middle. (laughs) So I set forth to remember, why is it that I don't remember so many things out of Trigon? And I got my answer by watching all 26 episodes. Turns out Trigon, not that good. (laughs) There are some fun episodes in there. But on a whole, it's not great. Yeah, it's more average anime than yeah. you, you kind of remember. In yeah. my mind, I remember shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of that. But then it becomes a weird anime about um, genocide and acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> and... I was just like, I don't think you guys have the chops yeah. to do this. And they didn't. <laughs> I'm fine with um, with it as it is because I really appreciate watching garbage. Yes. Um, and that's what that is. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely get everything that you're saying. <laughs> no, but it, was, it was weird to watch something and be like, did I... I remember these episodes. Did I not like Trigon? I remember get. I'm watching this because I was excited by the word Trigon. <laughs> Why yeah, I am I liking it a whole lot more? Yeah. I remember thinking it was like seriously good. Like I'm yeah. watching it and I'm like, oh, it's fun, but or rather, it's like something to watch, but. Mm-hmm. Not something I'd say, like, recommend to people. Before I started, I remember thinking it was on the level, the same level as, um, what's the other one I was watching? Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Right. Which it is um, certainly is not. So, Douglas, did you ever watch One Punch Man? Did you ever get around to that? Or no? No. I, I've said on this podcast, I watched the first episode maybe a right. few years ago. And for and some reason, it was boring. Yeah, and yeah. I just didn't. So, Andrew, um, you'll understand this more. For the first nine, ten episodes of Trigon, it is basically One Punch Man. It is a man that is so good at being a gunslinger that he basically has to uh, come up with creative ways to make the situation interesting for him. Because he could just go around and resolve every situation by smoking everybody. But he's just like, I'm not going to kill anybody. But yeah, I, I remember Trigon. Right. I'm so good. But that is not what the rest of the show is. <laughs> In is my so head, weird. remembering that show, it started out like that. And that was yeah. fun. Yeah. And then it kind of dipped for a moment. And then the, the preacher dude shows up. Yeah. Who I loved. But the preacher dude right. shows up real early. 
and then disappears and then comes like it's yeah. I, I've I've stopped it's in, weird in a section where it's kind of getting contemplative contemplate contemplative yeah. I can't even yeah. speak English anymore. Um so yeah yeah it does get into yeah. as you said Damien some some issues with hey yeah, there's a Why? point where there's no more, there's no jokes, and you're just like, this is not the show for serious times. Yeah, this is fun time, shooty shooty show. Like I don't know what you people heard. Um, but you can't I still do a show. think I enjoy it's it. But then again, yeah, it's I fine. haven't watched it in like three weeks, and I wonder why. <laughs> it's it was weird to fall in an anime hole. <laughs> it's like I have sat here all Saturday and watched anime. I remember this. I remember. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, all of the other movies that I've seen are movies I've seen um, too much times to talk about. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I'm. I, it's the first time I'm watching some of these movies and trying to see them through a different lens. Um, but we've talked about. Um, Interstellar and Fury Road enough on this. Like, there's there's nothing to be gleamed from talking about those movies at this point. I watched that the other day again. I love that movie. <laughs> so, Douglas Robinson. Yes, sir. You don't get to talk about A Night's Tale. Fair enough. Uh, what have you seen? Well, we've already talked about The Boys. Uh, yes. I love that show. I also watched, in terms of TV shows... I watch Shitty Ridley Scott. <laughs> I watch Raised by Wolves on HBO now. How bad is, is that, that as bad as I think it is? So, don't let Damien watch it. I feel okay. like <laughs> I feel like this is a show that Andrew will watch. Challenge accepted, Douglas. <laughs> to enjoy it. And right now, I'm definitely like, I watch it and I don't like it, but I continue to watch it because it's pretty and I'm sad about that. And it's it's a it does have a weird kind of concept that almost intellectually I want to see what the what the fruition is because it's this concept about um apparently the world is as we know it, is destroyed by wars between religious people and atheists. And both the religious people and atheists decide the only way to survive is to send people into space and find a new earth. The atheists, because they're fueled by science, gets to the new earth first. And then the religious people get to the new earth second. The atheist people are able to get there first because they're like, fuck this, I don't need to send actual people. I'll just send a robot who can then make the people for me, right? And then, you know, shenanigans abound thereafter and robots break down and all sorts of shit. And it's like, conceptually it's kind of interesting but you know it's going to be this whole spinning wheels bullshit eventually and you kind of see the wheels starting to spin already but it's also very pretty you see when the, the robots um how they walk and the, the acting behind that is kind of cool they're sleek and 
um, it's you know flashing lights. So I'll leave it at that. So yeah, I mean that's that's shitty Ridley Scott. Uh, otherwise, I have been watching. Uh, I've been going down a path, uh, a weird movie path. I think I saw that Andrew went down a path of this path with me, but let's see. Let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes. I just haven't had. I just haven't finished it yet. I definitely was going down that path. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to walk down the Bill and Ted path. And I watched all three movies. I actually own the first one because I think Andrew and Nicholas gave it to me for a birthday or Christmas or something like that. And I got to stream the second one, which is great. And of course, the third one is available. How all movies should be available if they don't want to make money, but if they want to make me happy. Uh, and that is for $20 online. So I watched the first movie. I've actually watched both of these already, the first two movies, but when I was young and don't really remember specifics, I remember the first one a lot more than I remember the second one. I forgot just how dumb the first movie is. And that's what I love about the first one. It is, as you say, Andrew, it's so dumb and so simple. It's nothing more than a... One night, one crazy night movie, but just with time travel, and it's about these kids that just don't take themselves seriously, and you know they go and they find Napoleon, they find Socrates, and they have themselves a time, and they play air guitar, and every time they play air guitar, you hear the guitar. It's I love this movie. It's perfect. It's not good, but oh boy. Just, and I think it was clearly just the right time in these actors, these young actors' lives. One being the soon-to-be immensely famous Keanu Reeves, and the other being the soon-to-be never heard from again other guy, (laughs) Ted, Ted. Alex, no, Bill, Bill, Andrew. I mean, Damian. Ted is. That's the joke, Douglas. I love that joke. I love it. I play Ted. (laughs) Um, But this movie is genius in its simplicity. And I definitely see myself bringing this into the shitty movie rotation that I have. So I, I loved it. Um, then I went on to the second one, the Bogus, Bogus Adventures. And they tried hard to hit the heights that was the first, but they really didn't. I was not a huge fan. Obviously, you know, there are certain things that are cool. The chemistry between the two actors, it was maybe a couple of years after the first one. So they're still in that sort of... Um, time in their life. I think it was still before Keanu Reeves got famous with like, you know, speed and the various and the matrix and the various things that, that happened in the nineties for him. But uh Speed is so good. He, oh I love speed. <laughs> Actually, is it sad that it wasn't until recently that I realized that that's where Ryan gets um pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> 
that's you should be ashamed of yourself i should be because when that movie came out you and i watched it like just on a daily basis but i haven't seen it in a long time i don't remember those things uh but yeah this movie i would almost venture to say i'm never going to watch again it just didn't hit me the way that the first one did and then we get to the third one the getting the band get back together trying to rekindle the um whatever it was the joie de vivre that made these two movies the spectacular hits that they were and even spun off things like cart morning cartoon series that you and i used to watch andrew uh i and i've said this to damien before i don't know if he's actually watched this movie yet but no not i like this movie but not necessarily because i like this movie I don't think that this movie is the best. It's definitely better than the second one. Nowhere near as good as the first one. And the flaw in this movie is really because they need Bill and Ted to be in it. And the sad part is Bill and Ted are actually cool. They're, they they do well in it, and it's you know it's a fun romp, right? And so I really can't wrong anybody for that. And there's a lot of people online talking about how great this movie is and how um, you know happy and childlike and whatever. And and it is all of those things. And the Bill and Ted seniors are what they need to be in this. But here is where this movie shines. This movie shines when, and I'll call them Ted and Bill, because Bill's daughter's name is Theodora, or Ted, and Ted's daughter's <laughs> name is Wilhelmina, which is Bill. And so, oh, I love it. Um, and they are mini versions of Bill and Ted. And Andrew, they are exquisite. I love these girls. So... Let me see if I'm getting this right now. Bill, Billy, is played by Samara Weaving, who we all know um, and universally we love as uh, the star of Ready or Not. And Andrew, I use universally the correct way because fuck you and your shitty <laughs> taste. Your bad taste. <laughs> so, so once again, I'm not sure if you're saying universally to exclude me or if you're just telling me this is how I feel. Oh no, I'm using it to exclude you. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Samara Weaving um, plays Ted. And I don't know who plays Bill or Billy. But she, like Samara Weaving, I like just because I have uh, leftover feelings. She's really kind of just in the movie and, and builds on or, or is kind of like hanging on to um, the, co- the coattails of this other girl who plays Bill or Billy. Um, and she, Damien, Andrew, she's a star of this movie. And it's for the same reason I say this that I said that I loved uh, Bill and Ted, the original film. She plays that childlike, 
innocence slash almost dumbness slash playfulness and just chill, uncharacteristically chill that you, you don't think a person could have, but she has. And she is the, the ringleader in this movie in, in a way to kind of push it along to get us to where we need to go. And I wish that this movie could have been just them. It can't be. And I don't um, wrong them for, for bringing back the stars or the star. And also, as I say, I probably I view the Keanu Reeves section as negatively as I do because the children's section is just so fucking good. So the bar has now shifted um, because the more I think about it, the more I think that their section is just fine. But without the children, this movie would be just fine. With the children, it is bordering on great or good. And if it was just the children, I would have lost my shit. Um, I want to watch this movie again so that I can like it more. But at least what I will say about it is I adore the children and I want to see, in particular, Billy in more things. I, I know that she can't recapture what she has here in the same way that Samara Weaving doesn't and can't recapture what she had in Ready or Not. I've seen her in Hollywood and she is, you know, she does her job. But I, I've seen her in this and she does her job. But her job is not being that specific character that I love so much. And that's a problem I know I'm going to have with this actor, actor because she will do her job in the other movies that she's going to be in and should be in, but it will never be what this is. And that makes me very sad. <laughs> Just one quick question. Yeah. Um, since you talk about the children versus the the seniors, mm -hmm. um, what is like the time break of this movie? Is it like 50-50 between the two of them? Is it more senior, more junior? What's... It, it definitely shifts. So at the start of the movie, it's more senior. Closer to the end of the movie, it's more junior. And I think they kind of combined right at the end where they're all together. Uh, I don't know if it's 50-50. It felt to me for a long time like it was more the senior and less the junior but that's probably because of how early I got on the junior train and how much I wanted to see more of them so it probably averages out 50-50 okay alright I, I know I'll eventually watch this movie the question is whether I'll spend the time to watch part 2 before I watch this movie I don't know <laughs> yeah so i have another road to go down like this but before let's just talk about the random movies that i've been watching uh, uh and it's really let's say three of them right because one actually transitions into the the walk that i went down and we'll start from horribleness um i watched the binge which is a new movie on hulu which is essentially the purge with liquor. I thought it could be a nice dumb movie. It also has two of the the side stars from 
Booksmart in it. So I was like, sure, why not? It was bad. Don't watch it. Uh, I also watched, and this is a bit of a cheat because I've clearly watched this before. I rewatched Swordfish. And ah. it's because, yeah. <laughs> it's because uh, I got to a point in my podcast listening where I actually had no more football podcasts to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I listened to a piece of a How Did This Get Made episode where this is a movie they were talking about. And it reminded me just how ridiculous this movie is. And I watched it again. And this movie is god-awful, but I love it to pieces. Thank you, Douglas. It's so bad. <laughs> you, you got to the right place in there. <laughs> this, but Douglas, we knew this movie was bad. I know. When it came out. Yes, actually, sadly, I was young enough that I didn't. I thought it was seriously good. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just letting you know, Douglas, that's how I code all day long. <laughs> yep. We just weird squares on, uh, <laughs> on 18 TVs. And then at the end of every day, the squares explode, and I go like, damn it, I didn't get it today. Yep. Tomorrow will to be my day. more movies like this. This, while it came out in something like 2000 or 2001... Mm-hmm. This is at heart, in spirit. This is a, a 1999 movie. movie. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. And finally, I watched an Amazon movie because I was under the impression that The Boys was going to be available from September 1st. It was not. September 1st was, I believe, the Tuesday. It wasn't available until the Friday. However... That didn't stop me from every night I got home from work. The first thing I did was turn on Amazon and say, where is the boys? And in doing that search, I got reacquainted with a movie that I saw a trailer for and was a little bit interested in because it looked like a shitty comedy and decided, why not watch it? This movie goes by the name of Get Duped. I think I sent this trailer in the WhatsApp group, so you guys at least had the opportunity yeah, to watch I've the seen trailer it. and see what it was. It is everything that trailer promises. This movie is bad, but this movie is bad in a way that only my boy Edgar Wright can make. This felt like an Edgar Wright movie. Even, I mean, first of all, it's British, so that helps. Um, but also even the, the soundtrack of the film sounds like it could have come from Spaced or it could have come from Shaun of the Dead. The way the film is cut is ba- gonzo cutting the way that Edgar Wright does it, but obviously not quite as good. And the ridiculousness of the comedy, the simplicity of the story, and the just nature of this young group of boys who come together and fight (laughs) fight a fucking hunter that looks almost like a character out of Blackadder is it's it's amazing I love this movie now as I said I started off this movie is not good also I feel like because I didn't necessarily go in with a lot of expectations that I've overestimated how funny this movie is to me, but I really had myself a time when I saw this. So I would recommend both of you guys 
in particular, Damien, to watch the shit out of this movie. It's an Amazon original, so it's up there. Just watch it on Prime. I'm not going to allow you to trick me, Douglas <laughs> Robinson. No, as trap. I said, whatever, son. You need to go watch <laughs> this movie. <laughs> you, sir, are tricking me. I've, I've discussed this before that on the last podcast, I kind of realized I didn't own the Cornetto trilogy. I probably should. And I probably should look back in particular at the world's end because... I demand your ranking. Yeah, exactly. Now, because I watched Get Duped and it had all of that kind of... It brought up Edgar Wright feelings for me. And I had just recently gotten the uh, 4K discs of the trilogy so i just barreled straight in and i watched Shaun of the dead hot fuzz and world's end and i am glad to say that obviously we all knew i loved Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz i honestly cannot tell you which one i love more because they each are special Shaun of the dead is this crazy homage to um, zombie movies and was clearly done on a shoestring budget, but the things that they they squeezed out, the juices they squeezed out of this movie was amazing. Hot Fuzz is better technically because they've got all the budget now, now that people say, oh, people actually watch the crap that you make? All right, we'll throw more money at you. And it's the best one. Yeah, and um, they were able to do things like start their James Bond trend and put, uh, which one is this? Put Timothy Dalton in the movie and a bunch of, you know, big actors and bringing back the, the team of Nick Frost and Sean Pegg and even guys like Rafe Spall who had a quick cameo in Shaun of the Dead. Um, and this movie is amazing, but it's so... It's good, but it's also so refined that you almost, you almost naturally gravitate back towards the less refined version of this, which is Shaun of the Dead. So it's hard for me to tell. I know it's like my mind says hot fuzz, but my heart says Shaun of the Dead. Your heart is um, stupid. Go with your mind. <laughs> um, and also... The thing about Hot Fuzz as well is you have to know my history, and I've spoken about this before as well. I feel almost a stronger attachment to it because of how hard it was for me to get attached. I fucking hated this movie the first time I watched it. I don't know why. Maybe it's the it's like the Tarantino effect because that was a thing for me and Tarantino for a long time. And I had to watch this movie a few times. Actually, it makes sense because I also didn't like Scott Pilgrim the first time I watched it. Yeah, because that movie's bad. Fuck you, Damien. <laughs> that movie's a masterpiece and is definitely yeah, garbage. <laughs> next on my watch list from Edgar Wright, but I haven't got there yet. Um, but yeah, I, I watched those two movies, love them. Then we went to The Elephant in the Room, which is the world's end because that mo- that is a movie that, like Hot Fuzz, I didn't I wouldn't go as far as give it the full Hot Fuzz treatment because I did not like Hot Fuzz. The World's End was one of those movies where it's like, I like everybody in it. And sure, it's kind of okay, Mm -hmm. but eh, I'm happy to tell 
Andrew in particular, I really like this movie. <laughs> no, I watched it. I loved it. It's it's great. And I need the official ranking. This is all I desire. I wasn't questioning whether you'd like <laughs> the world's end. It's two right. one three. The way uh, Luke that... Damon, you have to let him see it. <laughs> right. I can the... we can lead a cow to water or a horse. I don't know. I know how to say I'm it. definitely a cow in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh these these three movies I love. They're they're sweet. They are Funny, dumb shit on the surface, but deal with real things uh, below the surface. Yeah, really. Each of them do. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And so one thing that I noticed, and I'm sure I'm late to the game here. I'm sure this is not news to anybody. But something that, that interested me that I thought was funny was really at the core of each of these movies is the relationship between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And each of these movies really capture that relationship at different stages, right? So Shaun of the Dead is kind of like the middle of the relationship. You're already good friends and, and you're just, you know, moving on with life. Uh, Hot Fuzz is very much the beginning of the, that relationship. It's the meeting and falling in love, essentially. That, that movie is essentially a, a love, <laughs> a, a romantic comedy about these two people and then uh world's end is more like the end of it in a way it's it's the end with reconciliation and potentially future but it's the end of that relationship it's the aftermath of it being blown up and then them kind of coming to terms with that so that's kind of I, I thought that was kind of cool that they they actually um did those segmented things and i'm hoping fingers crossed that there is another movie that these three people do together because they are so funny and so talented. They really need to. They, they don't. Edgar Wright has made some seriously great movies, but the other two, I don't think they, they've quite hit the heights that they have as a team. On, on a complete side note, mm -hmm. while I still demand that you rank <laughs> them, um, why is it none of you mentioned that, that um, oh my God, I fucking blanked, that Sean. Um, Simon Pegg? Simon Pegg is in The Boys. Yeah, he is, but Random he's a very thing. minor role. I know he's he is, but you know, because he is who he is, like the minute <laughs> I see him, I'm like, oh shit, what are you doing here? He's in there anyway. a half second. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, to be honest, when I was watching the first season again for the second time, I was surprised to see him again because I forgot which yep. is how minor a role he plays. He's a nothing character. Yeah. So back to my point, Douglas Rankham yep. or die. Two, three, one. It's hard for me to rank them. So here is one I'm, three. I'm, I'm going to start by saying that this rank is fluid because two two two. Because <laughs> <laughs> Because I know Zero, four, four. that the third one, four, is, three, three. <laughs> as, as I watch it more, it's going to go up and up and up in my esteem, my estimation. I, I'm going to love, I'm going to end up loving that movie like to death. But okay, so we've got Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. Uh, all right, so 
I'm going to have to put World's End last. Yep. And thankfully, correct. this is no no longer because I don't like it. This is now just because it's I'm at the start of my relationship with it. Um, I, I love it. I already but... hate you. <laughs> Andrew, I've had much more time with the other two. It's it's going to be it's always going to be that, and that's why I say this list is this ranking is fluid because I do believe that if you talk to me maybe six months from now, that movie is higher. But right now, it, it kind of has to be last. The question is, do I like Shaun of the Dead more than I like Hot Fuzz? Do it's I like no one the, has ever the scruffy underdog more than I like the well-tailored uh, mm-hmm. world champ? And the answer is I don't fucking know. You're after and, and and the sad <laughs> thing is, right? After watching them so close together, you'd think that I'd be able to say, but I don't. I I honestly have to tie them. They're they're a tie for me. Boo. All right, he's Boo. up Andrew, what movies have you seen? Boo! Boo this man. Boo. Andrew, I don't hear from Douglas anymore. Is that coward? Hmm? All right, cool. You're not a man of your convictions about. at all. Right. (laughs) There are really two segments I want to go on about, right? Mm Because I watched a lot of random things. I actually watched a bunch of things which I won't really talk about. But the 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 bulk of what I'm gonna talk about is um the Fantasia Film Festival. Um it was the first film festival that I'm doing, which is all virtual, so they were streaming all the films. And I sat down and watched a bunch of those. But before I start with that, I'm gonna just offhandedly mention a documentary I watched um, which to make sure that everyone keeps in tune while it's not directly directed by them was definitely involved with the Maisels um, was a documentary by the name of Monterey Pop which I'm trying to remember what year it is I think 80 something Um, that's the Monterey Festival I know that Um, 1968 was oh 68 yes I think 80 I keep mixing up the 6 and the 8 I thought it was 86 but yeah that um, wasn't like folks like um, Dizzy not Dizzy Jesus Christ Um, the fried chicken man what was the name I love him (laughs) Colonel Sanders no, he literally has a song called Fried Chicken where it's Colonel him Sanders. singing um, about how he's done the fried chicken right just over and over again. I think it's the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, this documentary is basically the Monterey Pop um, Music Festival, which, if I've done my reading correct, was basically the biggest um, international f- music festival before Woodstock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, before Woodstock happened. And basically, this is them recording the nineteen the 1967 festival where you have the likes of Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, the Otis Redding, which was probably my favorite Charles bit in Mingus, this, Charlie in this movie. That's what I was thinking um, of. He, he, he was a big part of that, that festival, right? I don't remember Charlie Mingus in the recording. Um, it could have been a different year that Mingus was there. Or I might have just forgotten it because I remember all these other ones I loved so much. There were the animals, which were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just music for an hour and a half, which yeah. is fantastic. I think I saw a piece um, of this when it was on... What was the other one? Film... Before Filmstruck. Criterion. Criterion was with... Not Film Filmstruck. Rise. Filmstruck, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I watched this on the Criterion channel. It's available, so like, go watch it if you want an hour and a half of just music just doing its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Um, but anyways, moving along, um, the Fantasia Film Festival. So it was actually my plan this year was to actually go to Montreal and like attend the film festival. But guess what? COVID happened. <laughs> um, so that shit wasn't going to happen. However, they were one of the first festivals I saw that announced they're doing a virtual festival. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Um, Obviously, I didn't watch as many movies as if I were attending the festival physically and taking time off and doing all sorts of things. But I got around to watching five films, um, which are all in varying levels of good. As based on my knowledge of what the Fantasia Film Festival deals with, kind of made sense to me because it's like crazy fucking movies. Um, the movies I watched, I wouldn't say were particularly crazy, um, but they were odd. Um, so going from the least interesting to talk about and probably the most middle of the road movie to probably the most bonkers film that I wouldn't say is good, but still just crazy. Um, the Oak Room, which is a film I'm now trying to bring up the information because I did not do it before. Um, which is one of these horror movies, a thriller horror movies based on like a short film the guy had made before, which is basically a guy walks into a bar and tells you a story. Um, and it's a well done movie of that. Like, I, I don't think I would call this the kind of movie that I'd say we need to put this on our top tens, but it's a, it was definitely a, a well shot, well kind of put together story. It starred um, R.J. Meats, who no one remembers his name. I feel he was the the son in Breaking Bad. Um, oh, I I was actually because I was watching. I kind of started watching Breaking Bad recently. That's something that I I thought to myself. I was like, "What's happened to this kid? I haven't seen him since." Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting that you say you like this movie because it makes sense. Um, essentially, you're describing from dusk till dawn. Which you yeah. fucking love. <laughs> <laughs> but From Dust Till Dawn has a bit more panache than this movie. I just like saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, like the movie is um, he shows up at the bar and the bartender doesn't like him very much. And he he's like, the bartender's like, you owe me money. And he's like, how about I tell you a story? And it's literally just him telling a story, which is the movie you're watching. And there's a whole interconnected stories going on. And it's like a really well put together thing. And I really appreciate it. It was, it was a good watch. Do I think it's like amazing? Probably not, but it was up there. Um, no, another film I watched was a film by the name of um, Private Chat. Um, and private is spelled PVT. If anyone's Googling this, you don't actually write the full word private. Um, it's directed by this guy, Ben Hosier. And what caught my eye is it starred Julia Fox, which is the lady from Uncut Gems, the girlfriend in Uncut Gems. So I was like, I really loved her in Uncut Gems. Let me see what this movie comes out. Um, it's it's a movie about, based on the name you can probably guess, it involves like cam girls. Julia Fox plays a cam girl, a, a dominatrix cam girl, and it's about this relationship between this guy who is, uh, they like to call him a internet gam- professional internet gambler. I don't know if it's the part of my brain that when I hear that statement, I say bullshit, and I'm like, he's he's a bum. Um, but 
that's what they say he is. And he you see him gambling and shit, but he's like a messed up, like looking for a relationship kind of guy and just attaches to this dominatrix girl on the internet. And this is one of those movies where you're watching just an awful thing happen one after another of just poor decisions one after another. And there's also the kinkiness of just what's going on with him in this whole weird online relationship. And as he continues to push the boundaries between the two of them, the end of the movie, I feel, is very strange and not really a great ending. Like, it feels almost like it twists whatever you thought made sense and just kind of breaks their relationship. But at the same time, it's a movie. I don't think it's a film that really showed Julia Fox to be a better actress than we saw in Uncut Gems. I don't. I, it might just be the writing itself in a movie that probably asked more of sex rather than acting but it was there um and i kind of liked it but it was still not the greatest um no if i want to talk about a movie that was properly bad i decided to watch a johnny toe film no Um, johnny toe is the best (laughs) look look i i agree with you douglas there's a reason why when I saw when I saw Johnny Two on the list, I went. I have to watch this movie <laughs> without looking up anything else about this movie. And I'm here to tell you this movie is trash. Um, <laughs> it is called Chasing Dream. It's, it's so bad the name doesn't even make sense. Chasing Dream. Um, it's about a guy who is basically who is like an MMA fighter. Um, he is known as the hungry fighter. Like he literally comes into the ring, like eat it, chewing on a cow's leg, and then like goes into the ring and beats the shit out of people. Um, and then he apparently has some dealings with the underworld, with like debt payers, with like forcing people into doing work for them to pay off debts. And that's how he ends up meeting this one woman whose dream it is to be a singer, like an American Idol singer. And then they go off and they have like an American Idol movie. This movie is straight up like this movie should have been funnier to me because it's it's like it wants to be Rocky and American Idol together. Like it literally has a plot of Rocky Four in it, right? But it feels like it took three hours to get that plot done, even though the movie is I, I think it's under two. You sure you, and you still have accidentally watched the Stallone cut of Rocky <laughs> Five? Oh man, it's Rocky Four. He's recutting, I think. Oh four, okay. I thought it was four. anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> he's 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 threatening to get rid of Polly's robot, and I'm upset. <laughs> um, I think the whole internet is upset at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the dumbest, most ridiculous part of that movie, and he has a he has a Russian who breaks machines. So I mean, like, what what more do you want? But yeah, this movie is not great. It is. Like, there are literal musical scenes where the guy is, like, dancing up and down, talking about how he wants to open a hot pot restaurant. Like, that's his dream. And you see these things and you're like, this must be a better movie that my brain can comprehend because something is wrong somewhere. But nothing gels together in this movie. It's just not great. It's not good at all. And it saddens me. Um... So two more movies I want to talk about. I want to talk about 
So the two movies that I think I would consider really special gems. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Special Actors, which is the follow-up movie by Shinjiro Ueda, the guy who made One Cut of the Dead um, last year that I had us watch. Um, this continues his trend of movies that are that attempt to be this meta movie creation where it starts out being one thing and then slowly but surely it shifts into a completely different kind of movie. And it's about a, a guy who he's, uh, he's unable to deal with confrontation. Whenever he's confronted by people, he basically has a panic attack and just faints. And he's unable to function in the world. And one day his brother comes up to him and says, hey, how are you doing? And basically cons him into being a part of this acting troupe where they take on odd jobs, but not like odd jobs acting in movies. They take on odd jobs acting for people in real life to like play out scenarios, whether it be to like have some woman cathartically say goodbye to her husband or a store wanting to test his employees to see how they do with bad customers kind of things. Like so ridiculous scenarios. Yeah, it, yeah, basically. Um, with nonsense Japanese things going on. And this movie is a movie that, like, all of those things as it's playing on, it is legitimately a fun movie to watch of these scenarios happening, of all of these acting bits going on including just the characters in this movie um i think one of my favorites is the the acting director in the troupe who is literally like screaming at people constantly about how they're how they're delivering lines as they're rehearsing for their jobs um but i i feel even more than I did with one cut of the dead when it kind of turns towards the end to show you what it was kind of leading towards what what Ueda is leading his film towards like it becomes such a sweet movie that I kind of loved it even more um and I don't really want to spoil too much about it because obviously you guys haven't seen this yet but it's it was it was definitely a highlight of the week of watching these movies while I was doing them um so yeah special actors whenever people can get a chance to watch that um, and the last movie I'll talk about, which you can actually watch now, because even though it was playing Fantasia Fest, it's actually an HBO film that's up on HBO for people to watch, is a documentary by the name of Class Action Park. Um, ah, yeah, that's been scrolling through, but it's a documentary, it's not happening. <laughs> so why I would Doug cannot watch wait it? to watch this documentary. I can't wait. It seems so ridiculous. It is is it's really crazy like when someone in a documentary has to say the line there should never be a second person who dies from a wave pool after the first one you shut the fucker down and it's still going on like you know something's crazy we have to do this for a miracle (laughs) um this movie is as some people would assume, it kind of is a little bit. It's the Tiger King of action park movies. Like, people have stories in here that are straight up insane that they exist. And this is a place where I'd like to think that if I were a 
a seven to 12 year old child in driving distance of this place, my brain would want to go and, and I would go there. Would absolutely not. Right. And then I would find some way to go there anyways. Yeah. And, and then when I got there, when I got there, I'd look at the thing and my body would say, Andrew, no, you're, you're too cowardly to do this. And then I'd survive. <laughs> then I'd survive by that, yeah. that alone. Um, the, the only thing I'd say negative about this movie is I feel like it's 20 minutes too long, right? In that there's like a complete tone shift, which I think is completely deserved based on the topic of the movie, um, where it goes from ridiculous hijink stories of how did this thing exist to eventually the reality of like the really bad stories. Because as you're hearing this go on, you're like... All right, cool. You hear the stories of the guys who like it was a badge of honor for you to go to this place, and maybe like you got like a bad burn or a few bad cuts, and it was definitely dangerous. But you, 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 you're here to tell the stories. But where are the stories of the guys who died? Because there's there's got to be a story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, when it gets there, it gets it gets serious and it gets dark, and. And I don't know if it's just that the whole first two thirds of this movie, which was dealing with the the hijinksy kind of stories, um, the stories of our time growing up in the nineties with this thing existing, to switch to that, like you're like mentally you're just not ready for the switch, and like it just makes the movie feel a little weird, off, kind of going through it. But yeah, it's that's the only negative thing I'd really say about this movie. Um, I've forgotten the name of the guy already. The guy who owned and ran this thing, but fuck him, already. Uh, America man, Americanism. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a interesting tale of ridiculousness of of Americanness yeah, happening. Yeah, man. So yeah, class action park. Definitely watch it. Is uh, there is there just the national anthem playing throughout that movie the entire time? <laughs> um, yep, yeah, I think so. I think if you listen hard enough, certified most American. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's pretty. I think the only other thing I'd mention that I'm watching is I started watching the Amazon show The Hunters. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone else has tried to watch a show. I watched you it guys, when it came out. You guys stop making up shows. I have enough things to watch. Um, I'm three episodes in. I love the first episode. The next two episodes are kind of okay. Like they're not as high to me as the first episode, but I'm definitely like going through this. Douglas, did you like this show? Did you? I did, but um, again, I enjoy watching garbage. <laughs> and that's kind of how I viewed this show. It's, you know, of course it has Al Pacino going, um, Oh, that hunters. Nope. Yes, that says no. Show. I don't care what you people say. Al Pacino can't trick me ever again. Oh, yeah. No, it, Damien, not good. And I wouldn't even. There's a reason I did not say to you, Damien, you should watch this show. It's not, a it's world not even that kind of bad. Uh, but I did kind of enjoy it. But again, because I enjoy garbage sometimes. Al Pacino has done me so wrong for the last couple of years. I am questioning if I ever liked any of his movies, including yeah. The Bangers. I'm just like, I don't know if Al Pacino has ever been good. 
I hate you, Damien. Like Dante's Infernos, the bangs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been watching, and that's kind of the end of the podcast there. I don't know. Yes. It is Damien, uh, is there more sports to talk about? I mean, Yanis yeah, I mean, is going home. Hopefully, he's going to the Blazers. Yes, Yanis to the Blazers. Or uh, if you wanted everyone in the NBA to be angry, you should go to the Lakers, the Nets, or the Warriors. If you wanted everyone to forget about him uh, entirely, he can go to Toronto. Oh, uh, I know that. Go to the Pelicans. I'm sorry. What's that? <laughs> that's. I think that's a baseball team. <laughs> no, it's a. Um... <laughs> It's a it's a team that Yui has. Oh yeah, All right. Scrimmage, yeah, you can. I mean, that's what you want. You understand? Three people will get the Yui Pelican, and they're all on this podcast. Right. And now it's kosher shit is so acidic I blow a digit on the diamond in the minute But no bitches Watch how I'm walking Cause even the thoroughest niggas be knocking Trying to strike a bargain Hoping that they might get pardoned Shit I'm in Broadway Got me pins and needles And my cerebral bees The wicked is evil Thoughts that this water feed you Be back In the game so deep Things can catch up Freeze off my kneecap Can y'all believe that Got the city drinking crystals We up the feet Rappers going broke Trying to keep up with me My rise to riches Surprise the bitches Staying hard you know this nigga, Jay-Z, Sean Carter.